0: Welcome to this podcast from Sexually Transmitted Infections. This is Richard Crosby from the University of Kentucky, and I'm talking with Dr. Mary Ott from Indiana University. She has just completed a study of 30 young boys relative to condom use. It's a fascinating study, and I'm so pleased that we could talk with her about her findings and her thoughts and impressions relative to this article. So Dr. Ott, welcome and thank you.
1: Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Before I continue, I would like to also recognize my co authors, in particular um the first author and the RA on the study, Joshua Rosenberger, who conducted the interviews with the young men.
0: And I'd like to ask Dr. Ott several questions, beginning with just a short summary if she wouldn't mind. Of what she sees as the key finding in this paper,
1: in this paper we interviewed 14 to 16 year old boys about um, relationships, sex, and condom use. And I think there were two key findings. Um, the first was um, how much young men involve families um, in learning about condoms. Um, most of the young men in our study had talked to a family member about condoms. Um, a father, an uncle, an older brother, um, or another adult male relative um and so and many of them actually received condoms from one of these sources. The second um key um, observation in this paper was that um we saw a good deal of curiosity, exploration, and practice with condoms which is developmentally very typical for this age. I mean, curiosity, exploration, and practice could be a middle adolescent boy talking about playing a musical instrument or learning a new sport. In our case, we observed it with condoms. And I think those are the two key observations from the paper.
0: It's really a fantastic finding in so many ways because the literature up until now has primarily focused on older boys, and we don't know much at all about younger boys. So I think your study is very important. I guess my real question after hearing the summary is, in your mind, what does this mean in terms of subsequent research relative to intervening with boys at a young age so they can, in fact, be effective condom users as they grow older and start to have sex more often with more partners?
1: It's a, a great question. Um, one of the things that we observed was that while the young men talked about getting messages and information about condoms from family members, they rarely, if ever, talked about getting information on relationships or, or healthy sexuality in general. Um, They had no one to talk to about when a relationship was in the right place, when they themselves would be ready for sex. And I think it really points to the idea of families as sex educators and um, using families for STI prevention. I think our next step in intervention at this point would be too soon. This was a small study of 33 young men in a high-risk neighborhood. But um, I think our next step would be to understand better um, the types of messages boys in other contexts are receiving from their families, to work with parents and understand um, what types of skills they need and what types of messages parents want to give. So I think I would do, like my next step would be to do some more research with um, young men and parent dyads and to better understand this this phenomena of communicating about sexuality, condoms, and STI risks so that we could then build an intervention from there.
0: Now, that's a wonderful idea. So, Mary, one thing I noticed reading through the article is that these boys really looked at condoms as a method of preventing pregnancy rather than a method of preventing sexually transmitted infections. And naturally, I'm curious about that. I'd like to hear your thoughts and what that may mean, especially as these boys start to mature and have female sex partners who are protected by hormonal contraceptives and therefore the need for condom use to prevent pregnancy may be perceived as quite low?
1: It's an excellent question. And really highlights that these young man, men primarily thought of condoms as pregnancy prevention. And in a, in a piece of this is we have to step into where they're at developmentally um, and realize that for 14- to 16-year-old boys, these young men by and large didn't know if their partner were using contraception. Um, and if we look at sort of more representative data, um, we find that young women tend to start, and couples tend to start using the long-acting contraception a little bit later. Um, but but our findings that young men are using it primarily for pregnancy prevention really um, are important um, when we think about STIs, I, I agree, um, and are consistent with a lot of the literature. I think that one of the key pieces is with with this is relationships and um right now um young people feel that when they use condoms um within an established relationship it's a sign of mistrust um and we see in fact condom use waning across relationships um there's quantitative data by Dennis Fortin Perry looking showing that condom use drops during and across relationships And there's also a really complex interaction between relationships, condom use, and perceptions of STD and pregnancy risk. I had done some work with John Ellen in San Francisco, um, and we demonstrated that um, a partnership type mediated the relationship between condoms and the inverse relationship between condoms and contraceptive use. So with main or steady partners, um, as young couples adopted hormonal contraception, their condom use dropped, but with more casual partners like friends or one-night stands, there was no association between condoms and contraceptive use, so young men continued to use the condoms, and this this was mediated through their perception of a higher STI risk. Um, In terms of how we can help work on this, I think we need to look at the relational aspect of condom use and... um, ground condom use in relationships.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and that's really nicely said. So much of what occurs in the field of STI prevention is about relationships, and I think that what you just said reminds us all that that is indeed the case. So thank you. It's really fascinating to see that of these boys, only about half of them reported ever having sex, Yet, their negative perceptions about condoms were evenly distributed across the two groups, those having sex and those not having sex. So, I guess what's fascinating in that for me is the idea that you could have boys who are virgins with negative perceptions about condoms. And I'm wondering, why would those negative perceptions be so common among boys who have yet to have the experience of sexual intercourse.
1: Well, it it was a really interesting finding, um, and it suggests that these young men are getting messages about condoms at a very young age. Um, And I would have to say despite these, um, and, and on the positive side, Despite these negative views about condoms, and consistent with some of the recent nationally national data that's come out, most of the sexually experienced participants in our study, in fact, used condoms. I don't know why it was negative. I do note that when the young man talked about condoms, they primarily focused on functionality, um, for um, pregnancy prevention or STI or HIV prevention, and they focus less on condoms as part of a broader sexual repert- repertoire or a broader sexual decision-making.
0: Good. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So yeah, let me wrap up with just a couple of other related questions. I suppose it's really important for me to understand and for people listening to this podcast to understand. Essentially... What might be different about the 30 boys in your study? They were all recruited from a teen clinic. And is it conceivable that somehow, had the study occurred with boys not attending such a clinic, the findings would have been different in any way?
1: I think what you're talking about is the small sample size in this qualitative study. And um, qualitative studies generally do have smaller sample sizes, and even then we get an avalanche of data. But um, it's, you know, simultaneously um, one of the greatest strengths of the study and yet a caution about the study. Its qualitative design allowed us to um, identify and then link developmental parts with sexual health Um So it really, the the strength of this study and the essence of the study came from its qualitative design. There were parts of it that I would not necessarily have been able to predict um, before starting. However, you tap into issues related to generalizability, a lot of qualitative researchers talk about transferability in terms of whether the findings you can take in one small population can be applied to others. Um, I generally consider it to be related to transparency and feel that if I can clearly describe the population in terms of how I recruited them, who they were, what I asked them, what the research procedures were, then a reader can look at my study and decide whether they can apply it to their own population. In this case, we did use a teen clinic-based sample, but it wasn't a sexual health clinic, And we made every effort to recruit across a broad range of visit types. So most of the young people were there for well child care, sports physicals, asthma, injuries, flu shots. So it was very much a general slice of a teen clinic. Um, But the clinic does serve a neighborhood with high rates of STIs and early pregnancy um, so that these young men are making decisions in different ways than young men that live in communities that don't have high rates of STIs and teen pregnancies. There's a certain immediacy to their decision making.
0: Wonderful, yes, thanks. That was a very nice answer. So and I think your point, Mary, is very well taken about the value of qualitative research, especially in a situation like this, where, as I've noted earlier, we know very little about this age group of boys relative to their initial impressions about condoms. So let me wrap up with one final question, and that really does tap into the qualitative nature of your research and your findings. So the question is, essentially, what can we do, again, in terms of condom promotion, not with families per se, because you've already given a very nice answer there, but with the boys themselves? What can we do to help these boys as they mature and pass into their later teen years to be reliable condom users? What are some of the findings that might feed into some techniques which could be applied again to promote the consistent and correct use of condoms?
1: Well there there are two key pieces Um, One is that um, these young men um, had er very early perceptions about condoms, which suggests to me that it's never too young to start giving them messages about condoms. Young people typically learn about condoms in sex education classes in high school. We were working with more of a middle school, um, sort of start of high school population, so that um, we had... Um, These young men didn't have a lot of access to information. Another piece of the study was that we saw um, young men, three different groups of young men and their orientation towards condoms. One of the groups was not ready and they hadn't had sex. They equated condom use with having sex and weren't ready for either sex or condoms. Uh, the next group was really interested in condoms, very curious, and they were either learning about condoms or preparing to have sex. And the final group was sexually experienced, and talked about condoms in a more normative way. In in this. This developmental gradient um, where the first group just wasn't really open to the message, the second group was very hungry for the message, and the third group um, needed the message because they were applying it, suggests to me that we should be starting much earlier than we start in terms of teaching young people about condoms and providing access to condoms. So um, that's the first piece. Um, the second piece is to work with families um, as um, sex educators and have families um, give parents skills in talking to young people about sex and condoms. Um, I don't think they're separatable, but clearly the, the boys in our study weren't able to separate them. When they were interested in sex, they became interested in condoms. When they were not interested in sex, they, were not, they didn't see condoms as relevant. So I think tapping into families as an STD prevention resource Um, for us. And that's something we haven't typically done with young men. We really, our STD interventions really treat young people in sort of an atomistic way and don't see them as embedded in families the way they are. So those would be my two sort of thoughts. One would be sort of a developmental thought, capturing young people when they're curious and interested and want to explore and learn and practice, and then using um, sort of this natural embeddedness and their um, reliance and looking towards family members.
0: Mary, this wonderful work in so many ways, again, because you're really blazing a trail here in many ways. This is something that's needed and new. So let me just thank you for doing the work because Again, I think if we can get boys at this very young age, as you point out, to be more familiar with condoms and have improved attitudes toward their use, that as they pass into their older teen years, they're less likely to acquire and therefore transmit sexually transmitted infections. So I hope that your work continues, and thank you very much for talking about this this morning. And for people listening to this podcast, you can read the article on the Sexually Transmitted Infections website at sti.bmj.com.